astonished most of all by the transformation that the Holy Spirit of God has done in the lives of all of us. As you're sitting in this chair, participating as a family together, not long ago, <clears throat> not long ago, many of you here were outside of the family of God. Not because you weren't going to church, but because you didn't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And therefore, as bluntly as I can say it, you were God's enemy, not his friend. We were all once in that same state. All of us were once dead in our sin. But because Christ died for our sin, we are able in him to be dead to our sin. And as I look around, I'm not going to make it today. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm trying to play it cool. It's not working. And, uh, and this is the reserved part. Because I want to be like my mom and just fall apart and melt. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll get worse as the day goes on. Wait until Jeff reads the verse up here. <sighs> I look around this room. Many of you I didn't know before we started this church. I had no anticipation of what was coming. This is not something that people did. This is something that God himself has done and is doing and will continue to do. So just as next week we're going to celebrate together the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which only came because he died and laid in a grave because of my sin for three days. And he rose in victory to begin the rest of what God had for him. We stand here today, you sit, I stand, as the next part of what God is doing on the south end of Three Oaks. What God is doing in this property, it's not tied to a property, although we see throughout Scripture that there is a very important uh, aspect of location. I don't understand it all, but God does. And as we minister here, we are continuing a legacy that has previously gone on for 111 years. Some of you are not aware of the fact that we have also taken responsibility for the property uh, that has been St. John's uh, Church. The German church, as it says on the deed. I'm looking forward to doing some German. <laughs> An even longer legacy. And while all of our churches are flawed, including real life, all of us as individuals carry a sin nature that causes us to not act in keeping with who we are in Christ. And the reality is, in a church of any size, there will always be people who are not in Christ. Praise God, because if you're not coming to church, you're probably not ever going to hear the truth. So if you're not 100% certain that you are in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, that when you die, you know without any question that you will spend the rest of eternity celebrating in the glory that is the reality of Christ. 
and you can actually look forward to that, if that isn't you, then I'm extra glad that you're here today so that you can see what the world around us cannot tell you. Not only will they not, they cannot because they just simply won't know. But you're here where you can find real truth among real friends so that you might experience real life. As we have come over here, there have been a lot of people involved in the work. In just a moment, I'm going to ask uh, Gary Cole, who has been our project coordinator for it. He's our treasurer. He also happens to be the greatest man on the earth because he sired the greatest woman I've ever known. It's the best gift I ever received, other than salvation. And Gary's going to come up and just, you know, talk a little bit about the project. I didn't give him much warning. I just asked him if I could have him come up here uh, and, and just thank some of you. We're, there is no scenario where we will be able to catch everybody at one time uh, in our thanks. We will miss some, and you'll get thanked later as God brings you to mind going through it. It is astonishing what has happened. And we are thankful for what has happened in the past what is happening today and what will happen in the future. So while I gather myself, I'm going to ask Gary to come up and just for a few moments update you on, on what has gone on here. Uh, good morning. Um, yeah, there, to thank everyone is really difficult for me to do. Um, there's a long, long, long list, and perhaps we can compile that list, list but uh, there's, I do want to thank everyone for their work. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, it's been fun, and it's been tiring, but uh, it's worth it, and, and so I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to do it. Fortunately, I'm retired, and so I have the time, right? So retired people don't have anything to do. <laughs> uh, those of you who are not retired will learn, soon learn, when you retire, you're busier than you when you worked. I don't know how that works, but anyway. That, I want to thank the building committee. Um, we had a great team that met together. Um, you know, it would be unfair to say that we always agreed, and we shouldn't agree. A church is made up of a lot of people, a lot of different ideas. And, and I look around here this morning, and we have, you know, over 100 here this morning. And there's 100 ideas about what color things should be or how this should lay out. And, and, you know, and I think we've got through this whole process in a very unified way. You know, we didn't always agree, but, but I appreciate that. I appreciate the committee working together, and, uh, and, and they just have served really well in that. There's a couple people I do want to mention specifically. Um, uh, first of all, I, get to, I want to mention, I want to thank the Free Methodist Church, the national organization. You know, there's a rich history here, and we're, we're privileged to really to continue that. But the Free Methodist Church wanted us to have it. I mean, they made us a deal that we couldn't refuse. And so I really appreciate that, and I appreciate their faithfulness and, and their, really, their generosity to us. Um, but a couple people I just want to mention specifically, and, and like I said, there's a whole list, and if I start listing names, I'll be in trouble. And uh, 
But first of all, Mike, Mike, our painter. Uh, Mike has uh, put a lot of time in here by himself. Uh, in addition to his painters, uh, he had to put up with us changing our minds and getting in his way. <laughs> but um, I really appreciate Mike's all the time he's put in here. And so we really thank him for that. And the other one I specifically want to mention is Roy. Roy saved my bacon, and there's no question about it. Um, Roy is, uh, he was here a lot, and I really appreciate that. But there's so many people. So I just want to thank everyone. And uh, um, it's been a real joy and privilege, and we're still not done. So we still have a ways to go. So thank you. Well, as Gary mentioned, we are still not done. There's much more to do, even this week. We have things that are not finished yet that we'd like to have finished before our, our well, what we've been calling our grand opening on Easter Sunday. We wanted to make sure we had a family time here together before we get to the promoted time of, of that Resurrection Day so that we don't have uh, all of our faux pas happen that yeah, we'd like to get through that. But, uh, but more than that, there's work yet to be done in ministry. There's a song that we sing that didn't make the cut for this morning uh, that some of you are, are very familiar with, God of the City, that speaks to the fact that greater things are still to come. Greater things are yet to be done in this city. And so God has plans that He has not even made us aware of yet. And there are souls in this community who are lost and don't know Christ who will be saved because we as a body of Christ are here to represent Him, to reflect the reality of Christ through the relationships that He gives us. So we are very excited for that. Um, I do want to clarify something because I may have caused confusion uh, in, my, in my speaking here. Uh, we are, just to be clear, we are still a non-denominational church. We're not... Uh, part of the Free Methodist Church, although all of us are part of this, the one church of Jesus Christ. We are friends and siblings uh, in this work together. So uh, in case there's anybody that's confused, like, are they Free Methodist Church? No, we're not. You know, we, are, we are still real-life community church, an independent, uh, autonomous church within the body of Christ. But we are so thankful for the legacy of what God has done through various denominations and through various uh, houses of worship. Uh, so we're continuing that legacy in that way. Um, at this time, I, I want to read a very special uh, email that I failed to print, so I'm going to read it from my, from my phone. i got to tell you, there's, you have a special day like this, and then I put on a tie, right? So this is a little insider stuff. You can tell when you don't dress up a lot for church because I lost my jacket. I don't know what I did. I had, is that my jacket, Josh? Stole my jacket. Uh, let the kid go to prom and he starts stealing my clothes. Anyhow. All right. Yesterday we had a, a special preview open house um, for folks from the, uh, what has been here, the Three Oaks Free Methodist Church. Uh, and we sent letters, Debbie Freeling uh, sent out what, it was over 50, where are, you, where are you, Debbie? It was over 50 letters, right? 58 letters. And uh, only had one come back. I was surprised. Only one came back for a bad address. So that was pretty good, considering we were just using whatever directories we found as we were cleaning up around here. Um, but we had a particular privilege in that, as we had a, a, a number of folks come and get a chance to see this 
church that they have put their blood, sweat, and tears into long before many of us were, were ever around here. Um, but we had one special guest that uh, surprised me and pleased me, and that was uh, former pastor uh, Jeff Bradley and his wife Carol. Carol sent me an email that I want to read to you. To the church body of Real Life Community Church, we are thrilled that you have chosen the building we formerly called home. to continue your kingdom building in Three Oaks and beyond. We know you already have a solid presence in the surrounding community and it makes our hearts happy to know that the Holy Spirit will not only be welcomed, but also called upon to continue his perfect work within these walls. It was the undying dream of the Free Methodists for over a century that people could find, <coughs> excuse me, that people could find lives of hope, peace and purpose in Jesus through the efforts, gifts, and talents with which they serve. Our hearts are rejoicing today as that work will be continued through your church body. We feel honored that you have chosen this building and have treated it with such loving care. The updates are beautiful and make it a very welcoming place to be. I would agree with that. May God bless you abundantly as you declare his wonderful matchless word. Blessings. Pastor Jeff and Carol Bradley. Jeff was the pastor here from 1990 to 2000. <laughs> Happens to be the decade I was out of Three Oaks, the only decade. Jeff also lived in Three Oaks as a child, as his dad pastored here from 1962 to 1971 and presided over the building of this room, that this part of the church that you're in right now. The uh, far side was the original building in 1959, and in 1968, this uh, the new addition was erected, and uh, so it, it was a real honor to have the Bradleys be a part of that. As we consecrate, as we set apart as holy, as sacred for God's use, this property today, I'd like to call our overseers. We're, we're missing one, but we have four of our five. Uh, Todd Noble is unfortunately out of town, which I know he and Zoe are not happy about, um, but I would like to call the other four overseers up here. Uh, if you could uh, come forward, they will lead us in a dedicatory prayer together as each of them pray individually and we join them in our hearts. Guys, you can just come to Shelly's mic. I'm just going to try and move it, but I'd fail on that. First scripture is from Psalm uh, 9. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. Let's pray. Almighty God, we just thank you, Lord. We do praise you for all the wonderful deeds that you have done. Father, we thank you for our history, our heritage. Father, we thank you for those who years ago formed the church that eventually built this one. Father, we thank you for their history, their love for you, their dedication. Father, we thank you for real life history. In our few years, Lord, that we've been here, we, Father, we just thank you that we've 
you've blessed us, Lord. You honor us, and we just praise you, Lord, for that. But, Father, we thank you, too, for those who, in our own personal history, whether it be our grandparents or relatives, Lord, that preceded us, that may have led to our salvation. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for our heritage. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. Again, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity today, Lord, just to be here this morning to worship you. We give you all the honor and all the praise. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to serve you through this church, through this building. We thank you for the responsibility that we have as people of Christ to be a witness for, for you. Everything that we do is for you and reflects you. Lord, help us as we, um, we work through the building. We thank you for the blessings of the technology, of the fresh coat of paint, all of the stuff in this building. We thank you for it, but Lord, help us to reflect you through it by our service, by our gratitude, and by all that we do for you, and that we do it in your name. In your name I pray. Amen. Morning, I'm going to be reading from Matthew, uh, chapter 4. Verse 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Let's pray. Father, uh, I just ask that you would instill in us the uh, compassion that, that we need to help the members of our community as whether they're hungry, they need clothing, shelter, that, that we would uh, be able to be there for them, that we as a church can stand up and help them. We ask this in your holy name. Amen.
1 Peter 1:14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Heavenly Father, we more than invite you here, Lord. We, we need you here. Your presence is, uh, is required for us to be holy, Lord. We recognize that uh, this new shell that we have, this, the, the bricks and mortar around us, are only bricks and mortar, Lord, unless you are here with us. So we just pray for, uh, for ourselves to, to not be ignorant, as you say, Lord, to, to be, be holy in, in, in what we talk about and in, in what we sing about, Lord, and, and that, your, that your holiness, Lord, could, could be right here with us in, in making the, the praise and worship, Lord, that we, that we give to you holy and, uh, and, and meaningful to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. From Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It is as the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. Our Father, Father, we do thank you, Lord, for, again, this body of believers. Father, as we serve you in unity, we we just ask, Lord, that we would be in unity, that we would stay together in serving you, in worshiping you, in raising you up. Help us, Father, as a church, to reach out to those who are who don't know you yet. Father, we just pray that this church is to be a beacon in this community. That people would see Jesus through what we do and how we act. Father, we just pray that you would guide us, that we may serve you together, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach all unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth of love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by ever, by <clears throat> every supporting ligament, 
grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, come here uh, to worship you, but also to be disciples for you. Um, our, your desire for us is not to sit and listen, but to go out and to spread the word, to teach others, to expand your ministry. Lord, we hope that um, this building is a beacon for that, that we can use the rooms, we can use the technology, we can use whatever it is here to help expand your ministry in your way. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to always be conscious of, of growing ourselves so that we can expand your ministry. In your name I pray, amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to worship you every week. The, the songs that we sing are just a blessing for our hearts and for others. As we sing them, help us to be able to worship, and worship in a way that's truthful and honest, and help us to use it as we go through our week, use it for a, a way to help us to, to be able to connect with you and instill in us a desire to worship, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. In your name I pray. Okay. Jeremiah 29:11 For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future Heavenly Father it is unbelievable that you care about our future that you care about us at all Lord is, is hard to fathom but you tell us that you do that you that you care about our future that you have a plan for us Lord, we ask you to, to be here in our future at Real Life, Lord, to, to give us a hope, to, uh, to help us to prosper, Lord, to prosper your kingdom as we uh, go forward as a, as a family. Lord, we know that, that you tell us that, that you have a, a plan for our future, Lord, so we want to live in accordance with your plan and do nothing apart from your plan, Lord, so... In everything we do, Lord, we just ask that we look to you first and we take your guidance and we, and we move forward to further your kingdom here and through us. Thank you, Lord, for, for this promise. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Thanks, you guys. Uh, thank you, children, for being so patient and good while you're staying in here a lot longer than usual. I'm going to stand one more time and uh, introduce a new one. Please join us on the choruses for this one. <laughs> 
I was blind, now I'm seeing in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I was lost, now I'm found by the Father. I've been changed from a ruin to treasure. I've been given a hope and a future. I've been blessed beyond all measure.
children fifth grade and under, you are dismissed for junior church. Your teachers this morning are Miss Adrian and Miss Lynn, so please follow them so you know where to go. And then one more time, the uh, Wi-Fi password, if you didn't catch it the first time, Savior with a capital S, 365. Uh, call your attention to in your bulletins you have this color. I don't know what that is. Kind of orangish. But anyhow, this is our, our prayer list. Um, it is quite lengthy. So, um, just call your attention to that and use that uh, through the week to be praying for all these different prayer requests. You know, it's quite amazing, really, when you think about it, that in this small church, in this small community, we can be praying for all these prayer requests. And God hears every one of them. And yet, throughout the world, other Christians are praying right now as well. And God hears those. We serve an awesome God. How can he hear all that and answer prayers? It's something we can't grasp, but we know he does, and we just thank you and praise him for that. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you do hear and answer our prayers. Father, we can just give you the honor, give you all the praise, that you care about us enough, that you have provided this way that we can come to you and talk to you, that we can lift up our prayers and that you answer. That sometimes, Lord, it's not exactly how we want an answer, but yet we know that you have the best for us, and we just thank you and praise you for that. Well, this morning, I just want to specifically pray for uh, Diane's granddaughter, Gwen. What looked like maybe a really major thing has turned out to be minor because you touched her. We just praise you, Lord, for that. We thank you, Lord, for the healing. We thank you, Lord, for Gary's visit, like his, where this tumor is shrinking. Father, we just praise you for that. Thank you, Lord, for touching him. We pray that he would just continue, Lord, to, to heal. We just thank you again. Praise you, Lord. Lord, there are so many uh, prayers on here this morning for people that are hurting. We pray for those, Lord, that are dealing with cancer or other illnesses. Father, we just want to lift them up to you. Pray that you would touch each one. Not just with healing, Lord, but with a, a touch of encouragement that they might feel your presence and know that you're with them throughout, no matter what they're facing, Lord, that you are there and that you care for them. Father, there are other needs, Lord, that are people that are hurting for, whether it be financial reasons or other things going on in their lives. Father, we just thank you that you do care about us again. We want to pray for that, Lord. Just lift them up to you. Father, we thank you that you are so powerful. And so all-knowing, Lord, that you know every detail about these prayers this morning. Everything on this list, we just thank you, Lord, that you uh, hear and answer that you care about us. And we just thank you and praise you, Lord. And Father, now we pray for this service. We thank you again, Father, for this opportunity to be here today, to worship you. And now as Pastor Rich comes to us, Lord, we pray that you would just... Use his word. Speak through him, Lord, as your vessel. Open our hearts. 
teach us this morning your ways. Encourage us, Lord. Lead us. Father, again, we just pray in the precious name of your Savior. We thank you again, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Magically, I found my Jay. I had to wrestle Josh for it, though. It was like an alligator. The kid's getting stronger all the time. Let's uh, stand together as we read from Psalm 118. The psalmist writes, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. At this moment I pause and let real life say, His love endures forever. Continuing with verse 5, When hard pressed I cried to the Lord, He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely. He has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteous of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it, has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. And he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession. Up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Let all God's people say, His love endures forever. Amen. You may be seated. It is fortuitous today. I like to say fortuitous when I can. It is fortuitous today that God has seen fit for us to come to this place to arrive 
at this building, at this stage of our ministry, on Palm Sunday, on this day when we celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ himself in Jerusalem. Depending on what translation of the Bible you're reading, the editors may have added a heading that says something to the effect of the triumphal entry or Jesus enters Jerusalem as king. All of these things are an attempt to capture, uh, I would say insufficiently because that's the nature of us adding headings to things, to capture the nature of what is happening on what we now celebrate as Palm Sunday. As we look back at Jesus entering Jerusalem, he is doing what he had set his face to do quite a while before. If you've been with us, we're stepping away from it for a couple of weeks, but we've been in a study of the book of Luke. Because we are studying Luke, and we'll get to this particular passage a little down the road, I'm going to have us look at the book of Matthew for this account today. All of the Gospels record this for us, but Matthew is a good place for us to go. Matthew, opposite of Luke, is a Jew writing primarily to Jews, whereas Luke was a Gentile, the only Gentile writer of Scripture, the only non-Jew writing Scripture, writing to an audience that was primarily, not exclusively, but primarily Gentile, non-Jewish folks. As we look at this, this passage in Matthew 21, I want to invite you, uh, I want to invite you, if you will, to uh, open your Bible for yourself. If you don't have a Bible of your own, Either you don't have one with you, or you don't have, uh, or you don't have um, one that you can read easily. We've got some here. We would invite you to, to take it and keep it. Uh, Ronnie's got some at the back, so just raise your hand, and we'll make sure that, that you get one, um, because you want to be able to see God's word for yourself, not just hear somebody talk about it. So, having said that. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 21. It's the first of the four Gospels. If you're not real familiar with uh, how to get around your Bible, it's about four-fifths of the way through the book. When you see names you recognize, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you know you're in the right spot. If you can't spell the names, go a little farther. Matthew records this for us. And what I, what I really want us to see today, we're going to... For the sake of time, we're not going to be able to develop this because I spent too much time chatting before. But we're going to develop more of this, more of the full uh, main idea and intended response that Luke has a little later. As we look at Matthew's account today, here's our core reality that we see running through this. That God's plans are surprising and seldom easy. Notice there's a typo here. But always Perfect. Say that word with me. Perfect. Perfect is a very important word. It is complete. It is everything that is required. As we see this account of what happens when Jesus enters Jerusalem, it's a good picture for us of what God is doing even now. Now, if you've been around, if you're on our Wednesday night group as we're working through Dig and Discover Principles, or if you've been through some, some significant Bible study, you know it's a dangerous thing to try to go directly from the text 
to a personal application because Matthew didn't know me and he wasn't writing to me. He'd never been to Three Oaks, didn't know it existed. But there's something that God is saying through this that will work for all of us. And what Jesus goes through in this passage, as you'll see, is very similar to principles that we can apply to the rest of our lives as well. Again, we see this in our core reality. Let's say it together. God's plans are surprising and seldom easy, but always perfect. As we work through this, there are some uh, important points that we will see. And I'm going to read chapter 21 and walk through it, and then we'll get into the program where you can fill in some blanks. Here's how Matthew records it. As they approached Jerusalem, starting with verse 1, and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He's quoting Zechariah 9.9 here. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, you may recognize these phrases, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Before we move forward with verse 10, let's remember the psalm we just read. You see that phrase, Hosanna, that Hebrew uh, phrase that means save, and it became sort of a, a, a greeting of praise for a victorious warrior. That save idea is very much like what we read in Psalm 118. God, save us. And this reference to the son of David is specifically a reference to Christ as Messiah as they looked forward to the one who would come from David's line to redeem Israel, to save Israel. They had some misunderstandings about it that would become clear as Jesus shattered their expectations. But they're shouting, the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, God save us, to the son of David. They say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, a messianic reference as well. This victorious warrior coming on God's behalf is to be praised. Hosanna, God save us in the highest heavens. When Jesus entered Jerusalem in verse 10, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Those of you who have been with us in the book of Luke know that Jesus was progressing. Being from Nazareth, he started his ministry there. He was rejected in his ministry there. He moved on and made his home, uh, his home office, so to speak, Capernaum in that region. And he went about the towns of that region, the smaller, more rural towns, preaching the message, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. 
calling people to turn from their way to God's way to find hope and salvation in Him. And then the time comes when He sets His face resolutely toward Jerusalem. After Peter identifies Him as the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus tells them, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be dead for three days, and then I'm going to come back to life and rise again. And everything hinges there. From that point on, Jesus looks toward Jerusalem. His goal is to get to Jerusalem. And if you were with us last week, we saw the Pharisees giving him a, a warning. And I use the funny quotes there because they really were just trying to chase him back. So they said, go someplace else. Herod's trying to kill you. So were they. And Jesus sends a message that says, here's what's going to happen. For the next three days, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Preaching the word, bringing the message, healing the sick, and then I'm going to get to Jerusalem. That's where I'm going to be killed. He sets his face. He weeps over Jerusalem, rejecting him. Now we see as he gets to Jerusalem, as he enters there, the people in the city don't know who he is yet. Not the masses. They're getting to know it. In fact, right before he gets to Jerusalem, he will raise his friend Lazarus from the dead. And the word starts to spread like wildfire. But now as he gets to this capital city, this massive city, the city of David, the, the whole city is stirred up. Who in the world is this? They see the crowds who have caught wind of this praising him as if he is a conquering king coming home. As if he is a warrior in battle displaying the, the booty that he has taken in victory. Now, as Jesus is approaching, those who didn't know, now they know. This guy is different. He's special. He is unique. They don't realize quite how much Jesus accepts their worship. It's an interesting thing to see. He, he goes into this city and he sends his disciples ahead. And God has already prepared everything that's needed. He tells them, go here and you'll find the donkey and the colt. If anybody questions you, just tell them the Lord needs it and he'll bring it back. So they go, find it exactly as he said. They get questioned. They answer the way he says. They let him go. They just say, okay, no problem, just take the donkey. They don't know these people. God took care of it in advance. He knew what was needed, and he set it out. But these people now in the crowds, are they're doing what they should be doing. They're doing the right things. They're giving worship and honor and glory to the one who is most blessed. The one who is the son of David. The one who does come in the name of the Lord. They don't quite know what that means, though. So even though they don't really know him, they're still glorifying God. They're glorifying the Christ they don't understand one way or another, God gets glory. And while they celebrate here in the moment, we all know how this story ends, don't we? 
here they are on Sunday getting all fired up about the one coming in, but come Thursday, Friday, they turn. And the crowds that have been shouting Hosanna begin shouting crucify him. Not everyone who celebrates in the moment is on board with what God's doing here. They are celebrating what they think he is. They think he's Jesus Christ superstar. They miss out on the fact that he is the Savior and Lord of all creation. People are going to be drawn to, to achievement. Jesus has done great things. People are amazed because he teaches with authority. But the crowds gather when he miraculously heals the sick. We see that even today, don't we? If you promise a good show and you give a good show, you'll get a good crowd. May God keep us from ever becoming a good show. If you promise healing and you demonstrate, whether real or perceived, doesn't matter, when you demonstrate that healing, the crowds will gather. Jesus is gathering crowds. And now they've all come up to say, wow, let's praise this high-achieving guy. He must be the one who's going to deliver us. But that kind of connection, I can't really be trusted. Because the moment you fail to do what they expect, it becomes, what have you done for me lately? Some of you have had friends and family and bosses like that. You understand. Jesus is facing that. But there's more to the story. While they're celebrating here right now, God is just beginning the work that Jesus is to do. Now, it's not surprising that his disciples would get fired up. The people are praising him. They have to think this is it, just like everybody else. This is the moment this is when Jesus is going to come and set the Romans down and raise Israel up and all the promises of God are going to be fulfilled just like we've been expecting, except it's not the way they've been expecting. They missed out on the picture of the suffering servant that Isaiah prophesied in chapter 53 of his book. He said it's by his stripes will be healed, that the Messiah would be killed for us. And that the healing that would come through him is not a healing of the body, but a healing of the soul. That the sins of the people would be eaten up by Messiah, the sin eater, who would take it away from them. As the people here see that, they don't get it. Jesus didn't come to Jerusalem so that he could get praised. He came to Jerusalem just as he has predicted at least three times already in Matthew's account. He has said, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem where I will be rejected and killed. That's the mission. That's what I came here for. Later, when he prays for God to remove this from him, he said, no, no, no. This is the moment I came here for. This suffering is my purpose. It 
it didn't match their expectations. But a greater glory would be coming. Jesus would not simply die, but as we'll celebrate next week, something greater than they ever could have dreamed would happen. The glory of the resurrection. But even that isn't it. That's just Jesus getting started. Because he will come again. And not only will the resurrected Christ return to establish his kingdom, but when he does, the scripture tells us that all who are in him, all who belong to God, will also be raised up. The dead first, then those who remain. The glory of the coming kingdom, when what is now spiritual and heavenly becomes all that there is. Judgment will come, sin will be destroyed, all who are outside of Christ will be ended, but the kingdom and the glory and the power will go on forever in perfect peace. An amazing thought. No, no, this palm branches thing, that's just a foretaste. That's a little bit. Like when you go to Panda Express and they give you that little sample, right? But that's not the meal. This is a never-ending feast that is coming. Let's mark some things down here. As we have seen in the life of Jesus in this passage, knowing what is coming, we'll see these principles build out. How does this work for us today? What is true here in principle remains true for each of us. First, God has already prepared everything needed to accomplish His plans for us. God has already prepared everything needed to accomplish His plans for us. God knows exactly what He has in mind for you. That's why Paul says in Romans 8 that God is working all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Here's the deal. When you face difficulties in life, when you face wonderful things in life, all of that is intended to bring you to the foot of the cross to find Christ. Once you have received Him, once God has drawn you and brought you and opened your eyes and softened your heart so that you could receive the truth, then everything that happens in your life is designed to bring you closer to the Father, to conform you to the image of the Son. So that what once was used to bring you, now is used to refine you. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, God is working all things together for your good. Because He knows His plans for you, and He has already prepared in advance exactly what you need to get to the place where you become everything you're meant to be. For some of you, that may mean incredible suffering. In fact, scripturally, we can count on that for all of us. For some, that may, might mean suffering through cancer. I look around here and I see several of you who have been in that or are in it now. For some of you, that may mean just shattered relationships. Because the effects of sin in this world run deep. There's no place they don't touch. So what should be a wonderful thing, marriage, parenting, all of the glory of, 
of godly friendships that go bad because of sin, all of that is something God is still using to get you to where He is taking you. God has already prepared everything needed to accomplish His plans for us. Second, we see that the Lord Himself, the Lord, will receive glory even from those who don't know Him. The Lord will receive glory even from those who don't know Him. In this particular event, we see that God is being praised as they praise Jesus as He comes into the town. But He also will receive the glory when those same people shout crucify Him. It was ordained by God to be so. So that as His word is fulfilled, He receives the glory. What's more, those who receive judgment are part of God receiving glory. He says that he raised up Pharaoh specifically for the purpose of hardening his heart. That's tough for us to swallow and tough for us to understand. But God raised up Pharaoh to oppose God so that he could deliver the children of Israel so that all of us here could read the scriptures and be saved. Now, that's a vast oversimplification of God's mind because my mind's too small to take it all in. But I can see that much. How much more is God seeing? How much more is God doing? Paul says to the Ephesian church, it's more than we could ever ask or imagine. We can't even begin to take it in, and God can not only do it, He can do it abundantly. And it's not a challenge. The Lord will receive glory even from those who don't know Him. One day, as Paul says in Philippians 2, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not believers, everyone. Not those who have sought Him, everyone. Every person. Giving glory to God, even those who don't know Him. Third, we see that not everyone who celebrates in the moment is on board with God's agenda. Not everyone who celebrates in the moment is on board with God's agenda. <laughs> there are a lot of folks who are really excited about us being here in this church building. And we are so thankful for that. But there are a lot of folks who have no desire to get on board with God's plans. They're expressing their excitement now and they're celebrating with us and congratulating and they're excited for you as a part of this family, but they don't want the message of truth. Not everybody who celebrates in the moment is on board with God's agenda. Peter went through that same thing right after declaring that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He right after that proves that he wasn't on board with what God was doing because when Jesus said he's going to die and be raised again, Peter's like, no, 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 Lord, come on, not, no way. Jesus is an unbelievable response. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Not everyone who celebrates in the moment is on board with God's agenda. Next we see that people will be drawn to achievement but such affiliation cannot be trusted. People will be drawn to achievement, but such affiliation cannot be trusted. Just because somebody 
thinks you're doing a good job doesn't mean you are, for one. But it also doesn't mean that they're going to stand by when you start to disagree. The same boss that tells you how great you are will fire you the next day. I can tell you uh, as a coach and in this congregation, I know many of you have been in this particular case because we had a lot of coaches and teachers here. The same people that on Monday night will tell you what a great job you're doing. I'm so glad you're coaching my kids. It's so exciting. It's so wonderful. On Friday night will tell you, you are the biggest idiot I've ever seen in my life. Why isn't my kid playing? Why did you call that play? You're terrible. Hosanna. Crucify him. Listen, guys. There are going to be a lot of folks who are going to come alongside and see what the church does. Not just real life, but the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is made to influence the world. When Jesus talked about the seed, the mustard seed, becoming a tree, even the, the birds could nest in its branches, that's a picture of the kingdom of God. When the church does what the church is meant to do, then those outside the church also find refuge. They find relief from their suffering as those who love Christ demonstrate that love with their actions to take care of people in need. But don't think for a moment that that means that they're on board. Don't think for a moment that that momentary gratitude means that they're going to stick with you through thick and thin or that they become Christ followers because they're happy that you did a good thing for them. That's not how any of this works. The truth, the reality is that people are always drawn to achievement and accomplishment, but you can't trust that particular affiliation. Next we see simply this. There is more to the story. There's more to the story. Just as Jesus was going into Jerusalem and everybody's excited and his disciples are thinking, yes, this is it. Jesus accepted it. He received that worship. In fact, when the leaders tried to get him to shut it down, he said, man, <laughs> if I shut this down, if they stop, the stones themselves are going to cry out because this is the, the appointed time. And yet, Jesus didn't get caught up in that. He knew he wasn't there for that. He was there to stand before Pilate. He was there to hang on the cross. He was there to lie in the tomb. He was there to rise again. So that all of us who would receive that, who would not just believe in Jesus, believe in, in God, you know, that, okay, I, I recognize that I, I go to church, I know the Sunday school songs, I memorize the verses, but those who would put all their weight on that, when you see that phrase in Scripture, to believe in Him, the King James really gets it better. It's one of the areas where we can really learn from the King James translation, King James Version, where it says, believe on him. It's putting all your weight on him. He is your parachute. If, it, if it's not Jesus, there is nothing else, and we die. When we get to that place, then we can say that we belong to him, we've received him. To anybody who finds themselves in that place, he gives the right to become children of God. There is more to the story. Whatever you're going through right now, it's exciting for us today because we've arrived at this promised land of sorts. But it's just the beginning. Do you realize 
that the book of Genesis and Exodus gets the people to the promised land. So it's all wrapped up in the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All of that is from the beginning of creation to getting God's people to their promised destination in Canaan. And then you have another 61 books of the Bible. That's all just the beginning. This right here, in this moment, is just the beginning. There is more to the story. There is more that has gone on before, and there is much more that will follow because God is not done. And it won't always be the mountaintops. Very often it's the valleys. It won't always be celebrations. Very often it's grief and mourning, struggles, opposition. When we face those things as well, when the scary times come, when depression hits, and you're not sure where else to turn, even then, there is more to the story. Notice this. What God is doing often does not match our expectations. What God is doing often does not match our expectations. The people praised the Messiah they expected to come, but they didn't get that Messiah. They got the real thing. God was doing something they couldn't comprehend. God was doing more than they were capable of asking for. More than they were capable of even dreaming. And right now today, in your situation and mine, whether we're talking about real life as a church or your life as an individual, there are a lot of things that God does that are not what you expect. Dare I say they're not what you would want. How many of you have found yourself in a place where you said, this is not where I thought I would be? Some of you can, can say, man, I, I remember when I turned 30 and I thought I'd be somewhere farther along in my life. Some of you can say, I remember when I turned 60 and I thought I'd be farther along in my life. We can keep adding numbers because we all end up in the same spot. You have no idea how often I have said to the Lord, Lord, I thought I would be more mature by now. And I'm not even talking about like Jessica mature, you know. But mature in my faith, I thought by now I would look more like Christ. I wouldn't lose my temper with my family members. I wouldn't try to, to shade the truth to make myself look better. I wouldn't have thoughts that are uncontrolled. I wouldn't give in to my urges no matter how much I want that ice cream or whatever that ice cream might symbolize in this metaphor. God is doing things. Very often it's not what we expect. We need to be willing to throw away our framework, our way of viewing things, our ability to understand, so that we can get on board with what God is actually doing rather than putting God in the box of what we think he should be doing. What God is doing often doesn't match our expectations. Lastly, let's see this. When we trust in the Lord, regardless of the highs or lows, we will see a glorious end. When we trust in the Lord, regardless of the highs or lows, we will see a glorious end. Jesus does not trust in the praise of the people. 
He trusts in the Lord. He knows what he's there to do. He knows what the Word says. He wrote it. He knows what the Father has promised. He knows the end result that this this moment of celebration is going to go away and it's going to get really ugly really fast beyond what any of us here can quite grasp. He didn't shy away from it. Notice, he also didn't love it. Jesus didn't get crucified because he thought that would be fun. Jesus was crucified because it was fitting and necessary according to God's sovereign plan. That is not what we expected in a Messiah. When I read Psalm 118 earlier, some of you probably were like, what kind of a violent psalm is this? You're talking about the Lord being good while you're cutting down people in His name. What is wrong with you? This can't be Scripture. This sounds like Islamic extremism. What is happening? God often does things that we don't expect. When we see the Scriptures and they're awkward or surprising or difficult, that is not a reason for us to run away. It's a reason for us to wrestle deeper. To grab on and say, Lord, take me where you're going to take me. And I'm scared to death and I don't know where it's going, but I will follow you. I will trust in you with my whole heart and I will not lean on my own understanding. But instead, in every part of my life, in all my ways, I will submit to you and I'm going to trust that you're going to straighten my path out. When we do that, we may face the cross, but we will find the resurrection. More than that, the glorious end of being with Him forever in a kingdom that never ends, when all of the suffering is gone, that is the future for everyone who clings to the Lord and trusts Him regardless of whatever else happens. We will see a glorious end. Let me wrap this up by simply saying that God's plans are surprising and seldom easy but always perfect. Let's pray together and then we'll close with a song. Father in heaven, you alone are worthy of praise. And as we celebrate the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem, and as we celebrate here in the church our arrival in this property that you have set apart for your purposes. Father, help us to set apart not only the property, but ourselves, our souls, our very lives for your purposes. Teach us, Father, how to say, whatever the cost, I want to be yours. Whether it costs us friends, families, children, marriages, jobs, even physical and mortal safety. Lord, we want to be yours. Help us not to be like the people who praised in the moment, but we're not on board with your agenda. Help us to embrace your surprising, difficult, but always perfect plans for us. May everything that comes out of this moment today 
as your spirit speaks to our hearts, may everything that follows this in our individual relationship with you, may everything that follows in our life together as a body, as a church, may all of these things be for your glory. By the power of your spirit, not by our might, not by our skill or our diligent effort, but by your spirit, for your glory, your honor. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus.